Looking uh, forward to next week. That band and Dune trip, the, the group of guys that we have coming in are fun. This year, I think, is going to be a little more interesting because I probably don't know half of the people on Chip's team. He lost so many. You know, we have 12 on 12 in our match play. Yeah, I think we miss, we're going to miss some key players on his team that were their best players. I mean, like without, no Dong. No yeah, Dong and Johnny Young. Johnny I mean, Young. Those two are like. Donger's been with the tournament for like nine years. When Johnny was also a medalist, a bunch of years. In what? In, well, it's a match play event, so we don't really have a low score. Yeah, but if you if you had, but no, so <laughs> that's actually not the way match play works, which is what that, we're going to be talking. about We are going to be talking about that today. <laughs> that's not actually how match play works. <laughs> <laughs> which is a good segue, probably into. Uh... I'm Billy McGee. And you're listening to 18 Opportunities, a podcast on golf from the perspective of history, culture, science, and evolution. Golf is 18 little games, 18 fresh starts, 18 opportunities to shake off the failures of the past and embrace the good fortune of the present. Today's episode is brought to you by the Oregon Coast Cup. Follow the action as the North and the South battle it out on the links of Bandon Dunes at OregonCoastCup.com every February. Winter is coming. This segment is hole number three, which is golf is a game of competition. What we're gonna explore is how golf's origin is tied very closely in a really grew from one-on-one competition or two-on-two competition or match play. And I have with me today, Vinny DiGiano. Do you have anything to share about yourself? About myself? Uh, Avid golfer. You know, I'm a lifelong golfer, uh, scratch golfer. Been playing to, you know, zero one now for 10 years or so. I mean, I've been playing the best golf of my life at 44, which is exciting for me um i mentioned something like that to drew so he's 35 right so i said you know you start to play your best golf in your 40s i would you say can. the same is for you me can. I, I think you know either either you were naturally gifted growing up and playing high school and competitive college golf and some for some guys i would assume they're always are, chasing that well yeah. those are their best years um i didn't play i played high school golf i did not play college golf but I went right to work afterwards, and, you know, if you're trying to, you know, have a career, you, you know, you have to sacrifice hobbies, and, you know, so golf was sort of backstage. And back then, you know, high school, I was probably like a four handicap, not really good enough to play collegiate-level golf. Maybe, a, you know, I could probably been on some D3 team. Right. Then after college came back, started working Earned enough of a salary where I could join a private club in New Jersey called Suburban Golf Club, uh, which is right outside of New York City in Union. They had a really great special junior membership where my dues were literally 200 bucks a month, and I had to give them a $1,000 initiation or something like that up front, which from there it gave me just an opportunity to... That is a great deal. It was a great deal, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was very fortunate that... The club offered that. And I, and I think, you know, in modern era, clubs recognize the fact they need to attract younger people to the game, especially um, people that don't, you know, 
you know, wouldn't normally be able to come from either family money or things like that where you just automatically say, yeah, sure, I'm part of the club, right? But, right. Well, and then for years here in Portland, you just played at East Moreland and... Well, I moved to Portland, Ghost yeah. and well, see, Heron and all the... Yeah, all well, the, I immediately fell in love with East Moreland as soon as I, you know, I moved to Portland in 2011 and it's a traditional golf course where it places a high, you know, shot values, you know, executing the right shot is very important at East Moreland. You can't get away with many of your mistakes without either really working hard to save your par or taking your medicine and right. accepting the fact you hit a bad shot and you're taking a bogey now. How does East Moreland compare real quick, just to put some context, a couple of the other he, uh, Chandler Egan design he is responsible for a lot of the great golf courses here in Oregon, right. including Eugene Country Club, Waverly Country Club, Riverside Country Club. You've played all of them. Yes. How uh, do they compare to East Moreland or similar uh, different? I would say this, that East Moreland, the bones, heart and soul of that course is as good, if not better than all of those private clubs. It is, you know, municipal city of Portland golf course. You were to give... East Moreland, the maintenance budget that even Riverside has, that place would be the best golf course in Portland. Yeah. it, it Better it, than Columbia, better than Riverside, better than Waverly. In, in terms of just a great golf course in which you need to execute good shots. And if you done. do, you can be re really rewarded. I mean, I've yeah. shot 67 out there several times because I hit it great off the tee. And if you can hit it right down the middle over there, you're going to be able to score because it's not terribly long, 6,500 yards or so. And you'll have a lot of scoring irons in your hands on par fours. It is a little deceptive at that 6,500, though, because at least five of the holes, you're hitting hybrid yes. or iron. Well, I'll tell you this. Even if you're long, you're I, still hitting those. I'll tell you this. I, my length, I don't consider myself terribly long driver of the golf ball. I'm definitely not a short hitter. Um, I, you know, I hit it out there 280, 285, which is not bad for amateur. And, th and those 280, I'll say, is a is a good shot these days. I would say I probably average closer to 270, 275 if you're if you're really measuring it with the shot length, right, Bill? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone thinks they hit it a lot further than they do, but but I hit driver on that course on the second hole on the. Sixth hole, on the seventh hole, and on the ninth hole, and then on the back nine, you really don't get an opportunity to hit it till eighteen, right? I mean, I mean, I guess you could hit driver on ten. Uh, Eleven drivers too much club, thirteen drivers way too much club. You'll be right in the gully. Mm -hmm. 14, there's no need to hit it down to the bottom. If you do, you do, you know, the fairway pinches in so tight. 15, the longer you hit it down that chute, the tighter it gets as well. 16, you know, if the tees are forward, I could drive it across the pond, you know, cut the corner with the driver. But I would say in the summertime, 80% of the time, I'm sort of uh, playing a shot out to the corner and then over, over the creek to the green. And then 18, you can hit the driver. So, Do you remember that time that I drove the green on 16? Uh, no, I don't. I have photos. I'll I'll show it to you. Were you in the trees to the right of the green? No, I... Was it on the front of the green? 
It was behind the sand trap on the, on the right, right side of the green, yeah. We played the gold tee game there on Thanksgiving. Did you play in that? I didn't. No, I missed oh, that. Oh, the men's club had the gold tee game. A lot of fun. And I drove the green that day. But East Moreland's a great place. I mean, uh, it's a real, real treasure the city has. Yeah, and you brought up, you know, hitting the right shots or good shots. And that obviously matters a ton in any kind of golf you're playing. Right. But there's a difference in the how stroke play and match play differ right so well in stroke play as you know all shots count the same like pga tournament that everyone watches on tv there's four rounds of golf and the winner is the one with the lowest score so your four inch tap in on the 35th hole of the tournament means just as much as the shot you make on the 72nd hole. They're all adding, you know, cumulative score. How is that different from match play? Match play is much more situational. Let's say you and I are playing match play and you're in the hole for five. And I have a putt for five to have you, right? Because we're going hole by hole. I'm sure your audience is aware of the. You know, how match play goes. We'll we'll actually touch on that a little. Let's just yeah, run with it now. Yeah. So uh, me making that putt to tie you, right? You're in the hole for five. I have a putt for five. I Let's say it's a two-footer. Let's say it's a 10-footer. Let's say it's a 20-footer. It doesn't matter. But that particular shot I need to make in order to tie you. If I don't make it, I lose the hole. Right. You know, in match play, hole by hole, we're trying to figure out who, over 18 holes, who wins the most amount of holes was the one that will win the match. So in it, that instance, that two-foot putt for me to tie you is much more important than a two-foot putt in a stroke play competition. Right, or the shot that you make that ends up going inside or tight can affect how oh. your how your opponent chooses well, yeah. to play the hole Absolutely. or does so so like for me when I think of stroke play versus match play and I've historically have loved match play. I grew up playing sort of match play games. You know, when I played at Suburban Golf Club in New Jersey, you know, it was all four ball match you know, match play games. Our club championship there every year was a match play tournament. So Suburban, it was a match play yes. championship. So four rounds of match play. 36-hole final. So Right. I didn't play a lot of stroke play events. When I came out to the West Coast and the guys at everything out here seems to be a lot more focused on stroke play. You know, when we did the history of East Moreland, we covered the city championship, which was, you know, a really historic event here in Portland oh, yeah. and represented really the best amateur players of the city, the state, even the local area. Absolutely. And, People, I mean, that's a renowned match play event in the state of Oregon. Right. And it goes back to 1919. I mean, it is right. it has been around for a long time. A long time. Exactly. So, and people talk about that tournament would sell out and they would have a medal day, you know, to figure out what flight you were in. Everyone would come out and play and you would... Based on what you shot, you would get flighted. You had to earn your way into the championship flight. And it's no different than the 
Well, the, the Oregon, am, the, the, Oregon, Oregon am. Ama- the Oregon Amateur in Oregon is is a match play event. The only other OGA event that's match play is they, they recently, two or three years ago, started the OGA Four Ball, which is a two man match play event. Which I love the two man match play because you have a partner and you're sort of two on two out there, and you know a lot of um, a lot of the fun, like you talk about the competition, is also. Yeah, you, know, you put a few dollars on the game and, you know, really, really drives the competitive spirit and sort of winning. And then what I love is at the end of the day in the in the bar, you collect your trophy, which is usually hopefully a couple of dollars from your opponent. But oh, you know, is, is that really what you like the most about it? I do. But, you know, with modern day, <laughs> when people PayPal you and Venmo you money... You don't really get the same satisfaction of winning a few dollars. I mean, I know when we played for many a year, I don't know if that's changed now with the complete adoption of Venmo and PayPal, but you would not accept PayPal and Venmo. I don't like to. I mean, if you still don't accept it, you know, at Waverly, most people have cash in their pocket. There was a bet on Saturday settled from one gentleman with uh, a Venmo transaction, but there's a certain um, part of the. Part of the game is collecting that money, the tangibility of, uh, you know, a $20 bill or even a $5 bill. And then sort of like you're in the bar and then the other table sees where the money gets passed and they understand who won for the day. Right, right. And nobody really cares about your score. They just want to know who won. And that's match play. Right? Nobody cares what you shoot. I don't care what you shoot. When we go to Bandon, I said, Billy, how'd you do? I won three and two. And I'm like, great job, Billy. Do I ever say, what'd you shoot? Never. No. no. Never, because no one cares. And that's why I'll go back to when you said John Young was the medal. I said, well, it's completely different. Like, there's a lot of times in match play where I just need two putts to win. I have a six-footer for birdie. My opponent was been in the woods... He, he, you know, I just gave him a, you know, a, a four. Oh, you're, you're trying to drain that bird for the pay ball though. You know, I'm trying to just cozy it up there. If it falls in, it falls in. You know, I'm trying to win the hole. I mean, I've seen people, uh, I need to make the pay ball and they ram it four feet by. Miss it and have the hole. Miss it and have the hole. I mean, that as if you were my partner and you did that, I, my head would explode. Well, literally, <laughs> brains all over the place. Like, well, that actually brings up some. Let that. That's a good transition because you brought up two kind of key elements of match play that I wanted to talk about today. One is having a friendly, good-natured match, and you know, competition. Well, and you know, the the, you know the Ben is, Hogan quote, right? Go ahead. What? What? Which one? That I, you know, I play golf with friends, but I don't play friendly games. Because we're out there trying to win. Like, I'm out between the first hole and the 18th hole. I'm literally trying to rip your throat out. I, I, I'm not out there to have fun. Walk. Well, I'm out there to have fun. But for me, fun is winning. I like to win. But, like, between 1 and 18, I'm, I'm focused on what's at hand. I'm guessing for, like, the bald eagle, ripping the throat out of the goose, goose is fun. Symbolism. <laughs> It's a lot of fun for the eagle. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Not so much for the goose. But here's the thing. Don't be the goose. Be the eagle. <laughs> and that's part of both game, gamesmanship, and match play. So I'm going to read a little bit of Concerning Golf by John Lowe. This is part of the intro 
of the 18 Opportunities podcast. Was this some of the stuff we found uh, doing that research? Yeah. Yeah. And so I shared this with you a long time ago as part of the research. And I'm just going to read it because John Lowe brings a more civil, gentlemanly approach to match play. But he brings up a couple different reasons why he and you would agree in principle around match play. Golf is, from the nature of the game, a friendly affair. The players meet on the teeing ground and flatter each other with pleasant words. They praise the good shots, which they recollect from a former encounter, and on the assumption that such are the normal performances of the opponent, strive to arrange a match on equal terms. Not once, but 18 times does this common meeting ground welcome the golfers, as with new hope or accentuated determination, they start afresh the next game. For a round on the links is 18 little games, 18 new starts, 18 opportunities of shaking off the failures of the past or bearing well the good fortune of the present. Each teen ground may be a trysting place for the fresh avowals of friendship. Yeah. What I like about that that I wanted to bring up is an element of match play that you're quite good at. Did you appreciate what he was referring to when he talks about the players flattering each other with pleasant words? What does that mean to you? Well, you're being um, gracious and kind, but you're also trying to stoke the fire inside, you know, the the mental part of golf. Because as we know, it's not really overly physical. I mean, yes, the best players in the world now are, you know, very physical beings, but... Though, you know, striking the golf ball is a very mental thing, you know, to do. And if Because he goes further. I think he's referring to something that you are very familiar with because he then says they praise the good shots they recollect from a former encounter and on the assumption they are normal performances strive to arrange a match on equal terms. He's talking about negotiating the pops. Well, pops, yes. I mean, I mean, the handicap system is always sort of, uh, people always have handicapped, you know, handicapping in the gamble, in the gambler's vernacular is about, okay, what, what, what makes this fair, right? Right. What do I like need power- to do to entice the bet? It's like the point spread right, in Vegas I'll, I'll on the game. One aside, two aside. That's basically what it is. Right. It's working on the point spread and it's been going on forever. And while we'll touch on it a little bit, I'm actually on another episode going to focus more on gin and the rules. But gin makes match play amazing. And gin really was just, um, you know, the the handicapping system came from the clubs themselves, which no doubt there would have been someone like you in 1862 that would have been recording the scores of different people to know. Right. But, you know, back also, you know, before a formal handicapping system was established you know they use flights to have people of equal abilities sort of play against each other right you know the championship flight in a club championship first to a b c d flights right i mean if you it's rare that you find two exactly equally mat, matched opponents which is why the handicap system was established so that someone like you and i can compete it with each other and you would you know otherwise you'd have a little chance of winning. Right. So you told me about your days as a caddy. Yeah. I started caddying uh, back in New Jersey at Echo Lake Country Club. 
uh, I think I was 14 years old. Right. Was there any gambling happening there? The caddy yard, yes. Did you also observe gamblers Watch on the golfers? Well, you know, there was gambling in the caddy yard, cards, dice. I mean, we would bet on how many times, you know, that take that frog, you know, how many jumps the frog to cross the yard. You know, you'd bet on everything. Uh, then on did the you, did you did you train that frog? Did you work with that frog for you know? You know, <laughs> coaching back, up a back little. Then, back then, I was <laughs> you know young and naive, and I learned those tricks later on in life, Billy. What was I? You told me about one of the tricks that you pulled with the clicking the golf ball on the club face. Yeah, the the golf ball juggling yeah, with the, the club. golf ball juggling with the club. That was a great caddy yard bet. It actually ended. What is the bet? Well, you know how you juggle the, you know, you click the golf ball, you use your sand wedge or your, sure, and you you bounce it on the club face. Yeah, Tiger can do it. You know, and yeah. I could bounce it on the club face probably as long as I as I want, and I probably always have. You know, I have a good hand eye coordination and. So we were in the caddy yard and someone was doing that. And I said, oh, let me try. And I would click it and get it 10 times, 12 times and let it fall on the ground. And I tried again and I'd get six times. And I was like, oh, this is not as easy as it looks. And then someone, you know, knowing full well, there was a yard full of people, mostly degenerates. I mean, that's the, there was young, you know, kids like me. And then, you know, there was the older gentlemen that were there were, the caddies, professional yeah. caddies, so they're not the most, you know. They knew all the the games. They, they knew probably all the games. took you first, and then probably, you're... yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it was definitely a learning experience sitting there riding the pine, as they call it. So it was, you know, goading someone into a bet wasn't always hard. They call it uh, salting the pigeon. Salting the pigeon. <laughs> so I did that a couple times, and knowing full well someone was gonna make a wager, you know, proper proposition bet as you call as they call it and I don't know what it was. I bet you can't do, do that 20 times. I said, "Oh, I don't know." And I tried it again and got to 12 and it fall. I said, "What about 15?" I'll bet you 15. And they're like, "Sounds like a good negotiation." You know, and then you're you know, it's a little bit more than I was doing previously. It's sort of somewhat of a stretch. I said, "What about you know, whatever the wage. I don't. I don't remember what. What it was like twenty bucks, if I couldn't get there, and then if I got to fifteen, I would get a dollar for every click, every juggle over fifteen. And I think I got to around seventy-two clicks of the glove before <laughs> before the guy came over and literally just kicked the ball away. <laughs> so it was a good setup. It worked. You know. Yeah. That, that worked out great. Yeah. Was that Titanic Thompson? You ever read his book? I did. You just you shared it to me, and I it mean, was that, awesome. That's you know, that's a guy that never made a bet. He didn't know he could already win. Although he did also become one of the greatest golfers, they sort said of unknown golfers in, the, in that era. Yeah. In that era, even the you know the touring professionals of the time would say that Titanic Thompson was probably the best golfer, and the reason why he didn't play on the pga tour i don't know if they called it the pga or the tour back then it was the nancyant tour because he was playing in the 20s 30s 40s right. he was kind of done right well by titanic claimed there was there was he just, was already old by 1960 he was backing right players. so it was a it was a professional tour but he's like well there's not enough money for me to focus my time in this professional tour i can make money playing golf in other, right he uh, used to play matches against 
I mean, he always wanted to play a match against like Al Capone. That was his big mark that he always wanted to hit. Well, yeah, I mean, he played all kinds of games. You know, fantastic hand-eye coordination guy. Well, and he used to find guys. Like Sharks. apparently, he would barnstorm with. He briefly barnstormed with Nelson yes. and Hogan. Yeah, yeah, and maybe Venturi too was. I think who, you're right. Who was in the Trevino match that he backed? Listeners. I want to take a quick pause here to just thank you for listening and connecting to us by subscribing to the 18 Opportunities podcast and following us on Instagram and Twitter. Play well, and let's get back to the action. What's your favorite kind of match play? I like the two-man game a lot. It takes somewhat of the pressure off of um, one any one person. So let me read from John Lowe. The foursome game is golf in its most complete form. A game of sides which are sufficient for the sake of companionship, yet exempt from the evils of larger bodies. As has been remarked of another game, when single adversaries encounter, the ends proposed are too palpable. Three are still worse, a mere naked war of every man against every man or the rotation of petty and contradictory interests, a succession of heartless leagues. But in the foursome, all that is possible to be obtained in golfing is accomplished. The parties are spectators and principals too. They are a theater to themselves. A player glories in some surprising stroke of skill or fortune because his partner sympathizes in the contingency. You win for two, you triumph for two, Two are exalted, two are again mortified, which divides their disgrace. Two losing to two are better reconciled than one to one in that close butchery of single play. Yes, for sure. Because when, <laughs> when you lose with a partner, you walk in and you, you're there to console each other. When you lose just on your own, you're, you know, you're a man alone. And, yeah. And there's no one to sort of contemplate. Well, what about also there's someone to blame? Uh, there's also someone to blame. But I think more is more of like, you know, knowing each each person went out there and did their best and just the other team was better. I mean, that that happens. I've had that happen to me. I remember that Suburban Golf Club 2000, I want to say, nine member guests, my partner and I... Uh, had it was the last match of the tournament. It was a five nine hole match game, and we were the last match was against the team we needed to beat to win the flight. And we were all square through eight holes, and we started actually on the second hole. So our ninth hole was the first hole at Suburban. Dog leg left par four. Yeah, I've played there once, so I, I oh, have yeah. some. You know, right off, right at the bottom of the clubhouse there. Oh, I see. So if you remember one, it's pretty, you know, you can hit it yeah. straight out to the top of the hill or you can challenge the bunker or the draw to hit it over the hillside. Okay. Um, I was on the green. One of our opponents, Timmy Garner, was on the green, and I was inside of him. And I think Tim was playing with his brother, Mike, and I was playing with my friend, Gary Arbansky. We knew this was, you know, you knew you had to win this match to win the flight. We knew that when the match started. And it came down all square through eight, and we had the, this last hole to play. Oh, it's a nine-hole match. Nine, yeah, five nine-hole matches in the in the invitational. So, um, 
we're on the green. I'm a little bit inside of Tim, and he has probably like a 20-footer for birdie. I probably have like a 17-footer, just a few feet inside of okay. him. And he's up first, drains it. Oh. My partner and I were standing there next to each other thinking of, you know, conversing, analyzing the stroke I needed to make, not really thinking that he was going to make this putt. You know, he's above the cup, greens at Suburban, you know. Our oh, so it wasn't like on your line. It was a no, different... it was a little. It was a little off to the side. You okay. Know, we were both sort of, you know, I was about pin high. Yeah, he had a downhiller. Yeah, I was, I was more pin high and he was above the cup a little bit. And he made it, you know, great putt. But like Gary and I were were standing there, and it was like a lightning, like, like two puppets that like <laughs> all of a sudden lost their strings, like you know <laughs> droopy shoulders and your head, your head falls. I mean, literally, right then and there, it was like, oh, like a shot to the gut, and you knew, like, and then the 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 thing that happened was that those two guys start celebrating. Oh yeah, totally high five, high fiving, yeah, and, and Tiger. Gary, Gary's head, your chest bumps, you name it, right. <laughs> And Gary's like, hey, fellas, fellas, let's compose ourselves because we have a putt. Yeah. We have a putt to have here. Let's not. Yeah. It's not don't celebrate too early. Well, I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was certain celebrations acceptable in that situation. Excessive celebration. Right. And there's no 15 yard there's penalty. There's no 15 yard penalty. But like, I'm <laughs> I, like, they're literally almost jumping up and down in my lines, you know. <laughs> and, and you're like, fellas, you know. And unfortunately for me, I did not make my putt on top of them but like that's a you know classic match play situation yeah i would say that my most strongest memories i have two one is in stroke play and one right. is in match play but if but the stroke play felt like match play right. was holding out against the match play between Peter and I versus Johnny Young and and Don. Oh, down and yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 um, and and it was critical because we had a rules dispute too, where there was two balls played, and there was a dispute about which one was going to be what drop was. Yeah, you know, which which. And there was like competing issues too. Because sure. the moment you have a rule issue, then we have another rule issue two holes later. So it's like. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know how that is. They I know sort of how that level goes. up. Yeah, yeah, I know you know how that goes. So <laughs> so we've kind of leveled up this like World War One mouse trap about to go to the jury on like on everything. And I had a twelve footer to win eighteen, is... which would give which would make us two up in the way we thought we were, but would make us one up even so, with make the dispute. The make the point moot. Anyway. Yeah, the dispute ends yeah. because, yeah, and I drained. It wasn't a difficult Was that Bandon Dunes on? That was Bandon on Pacific, 18 was on, on Pacific. Pacific. Okay. Yeah, it was 18th hole in Pacific. So I always five. love, you know, I always especially being the captain, and, and I, I send myself out early. Yeah. I really do like, especially abandoned because you have the bar right there and the 18th screen you can see and you can sort of watch the play come up the fairway. Yeah. And there's been a lot of drama, you know, mini drama, you know, right. where guys need to make putts on 18. So it's fun to have like the crowd. Hey, what's going on? Where do they stand? You know, yeah. I people, mean, don't that... know, people don't know all the facts because you, you know, you don't really want to get up in their face while they're playing because they're in their own game. Match play um, creates a lot more drama 
when you've got a good match right. throughout well, beginning to end where stroke play well, stro is sort of not, well, it watch, doesn't have as much drama until you kind of know how the field well, shapes out. Or, or it might not have any drama, right? Yeah. Like the you other, think, like the you think about a PGA tournament that you yeah. watch on Sunday afternoon, it's only really interesting if there's a couple guys in the hunt. Right. Right? I mean. Yeah, if somebody's running away, it's, 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 it's exciting like, to watch someone play incredibly top level golf yeah but really maybe yeah. if, if it's the masters and he's got a six stroke lead and i have to mow my lawn right. i'll say okay i won't mow the lawn but like you know some any middle, other event middle of the season event and i don't really know who it is he's got a six stroke lead on sunday afternoon i'm gonna go mow my lawn right it's not really yeah it's not you know chris kirk okay he's gonna win you really have to puke on his shoes if he if he loses yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in order to lose. My other most memorable putt where it was a pressure situation in stroke play was qualifying for the mid-am. That was also to drain a putt for a 79, and it was mm. a double bogey mm. for a 79. So it, it drove me to... To make the cut or to make it... It ended the, up being on the cut line. So the 79... At, at the qualifier or at the... To qualify into the mid-am. From Woodburn or something? Where'd you go? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. OGA Woodburn to play at. Uh, so Arrowhead. basically, you really shit the bed on. <laughs> shit the at, bed at, on the, the way home. You needed a five <laughs> to ensure yourself a spot in the tournament, and you made it challenging and interesting. Yeah, I nearly went OB with the drive. Up to the right? Into the right, into the, the, range. the range. I then hit a second shot, which Screw wasn't terrible, and... but then I hit, yeah, almost went into the pond, and then. Or maybe even did go in the pond. I mean, it was it was yeah, it was basically holding together like the end of Martian that you know the movie where it's like a tin can trying to get up into space. You're just like putt itself reminds me but, of that putt. But that's why that's what brings you back to golf. That's the beauty of golf, right? Right. Like you're not gonna remember. Like we were reminiscing about those other five shots, but what you makes you happy is. The sixth shot, and that could be the sixth shot or the third shot, but it was an important shot to make. Right. Similar to a match play situation. Yeah, so... But you didn't know it at the time, right? You didn't know that putt was that important. Well, I did because it was for a 79, and you, which you, which for me personally had a meaning. personal goal, yeah. It had meaning. It also, because the cut historically had been... 78, 78, 79, or 80. Yeah. So I knew... I knew a, I was, was on the cut line. Yeah. yeah, I knew I was on the cut See, line. See, I think that's, for me, too, is one of the the drawbacks of stroke play competition as well is you don't know, especially in an amateur event, you don't know where you stand relative to the, your opponents at all. Like, we yeah. have leaderboards out there for the AM or for the mid-AM, but, like, they're right. not really updated. I mean... They're certainly not live. So... For me, you don't really know what's happening. You know, the players out there are playing against the golf course. And that's very true in a stroke play event. We're out there and we're, you're trying to do your best versus the golf course. And then you see how that stands relative to the other human beings, your opponents. Right. Your actual opponents in the competition at the end of the day. How many, how many city uh, championships would you have if it was still match play? 
Oh, I don't. We have a lot of great players in Oregon. There are a lot of great players. I mean, I, why why do you like match play? Do you feel that it gives you a different advantage? Not really. I think I like the competitive aspect of it where it's face-to-face, right? So like I was saying with stroke play, you don't really know how the other players are doing until at the end of the day. How'd you do? Right. Whereas when you and I are out there playing a match, whether it's a one-on-one U.S. amateur-style match or two-on-two, I know exactly what my opponent's doing. And part of the beauty of it is I have to react to shots that, you know, the player has to react to the shots that his opponents make. And my play also can affect the shots my opponent makes. Like you said before, let's say we have, we're all square coming into 18 and we have two balls in the middle of the fairway. In that situation, I would rather be the the shorter one off the tee. Without a question. Because? Because I get to hit my approach to the green first. Because I can, you know, I hit a really good shot in there. I hit it tight. Then your shot. Because I hit it farther than you. you, Well, you hit it further than me off the tee, but. You I appreciate see, you telling the world that on you on, see you see public. the you see my ball up there on the green. I'll tell the audience I also hit a three wood off the tee to ensure I was behind Billy. <laughs> <laughs> but you see my ball up on the green, and all of a sudden it's like, well, now I have to you know the pressure's on right? yeah because I I put the you know you could, they call it put the pressure on them yeah and that shot's already tight in there. There's nothing anyone can do about that. Maybe entice him to go, you know, for a force, you know, force carry versus laying it up. Right. I mean, those things. Uh, like, oh, you're not, you haven't been eating your Wheaties? Or some, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can, all kinds of strategies you can use in that. Different players have different styles out there, though, right? Once a man takes a golf club in his hand, he becomes a gullible idiot. <laughs> for proof, you only have to watch them on the course. The president of a large company whose daily decisions affect the lives and well-being of thousands, escapes into a fantasy world in which he is a super Jack Nicholas, judging by the shots he attempts, or the cautious banker who turns into a reckless gambler going for a hundred-to-one chance of threading a three-iron through a two-foot gap in the woods. Yeah. You know, <laughs> course management. You know, if you want to talk about course management a little with match play, Again, it goes back to reflective, like, what did you shoot that day? Well, it doesn't matter because you're put in a situation in match play a lot of times where you're forced to play a shot that you normally wouldn't. That's right. Sometimes you have to try to hole it, for example, because your opponent's in. Right, or, or your opponent's, you know, on into and you have a low percentage shot right. to, to put it on, you know, you're opponent's tight you know well that's why in a partner game too which is great because your partner's got you covered or or doesn't or maybe doesn't you know you put the pressure on your partner right you play first your partner gets to play next the power not only call power but the control of the match can switch on a dime with a bad shot agreed yeah you know like you think oh i'm in the driver's seat here i'm i hit it 290 yards right down the middle i have a 110 yard shot to this green. I'm in the driver's seat, but you're and my opponent's in the woods. Now your opponent 
it's a great shot to like two feet from the woods. Now you're like, oh man, I got to get it close because he's going to make a three and I got to, you know, like. Yeah, every hole is a little game. Every shot. Every shot. Like I was saying, trying to explain earlier, it's almost as if, you know, match play forces you to hit a shot you normally wouldn't hit when if it was a stroke play game. So, like I said, you're in there tight. I'm in the woods. You hit it tight to two feet. Now I have this low percentage shot where normally I would just play it out to the side, right? Right. And take try, your medicine. Take my medicine. Try to make par from there. But now because you're on and you're pretty much going to make a three, four at worst, I got to try to play for some miraculous shot. And I I go for it. It hits a tree. It bounces further back in the woods. And then you forces you to make an even riskier shot. Right. And all of a sudden, if you looked on the scorecard, you shot a seven. Right. Normally, you would make a five. Yeah, I was looking Maybe at... Maybe a four. I was looking at the old Bandon scores, and I was surprised. I mean, there are a lot of sevens and eights on the card yeah. that come up, which has, may have a lot of different reasons. A lot of reasons. Them. I mean, conversely, too, you could have a sh- shot normally where I would play for the... Cup, like you said before, with lag, right. lagging a birdie putt up there. Right. Normally, I would make a good bold stroke to make that, but I only—I know I only need two shots, so I make a more conservative play. My score now is higher as well. There's reasons why your score would would be much higher in a match play game, because it's situational. You react to the what's happening in in that mini ma- you know, that mini game. Like right. Well, and then talking about games too, let's talk about the gambling element too, because we play or what is a traditional four ball Nassau, yes. you know, like five, five, five or 10, 10, yes. 10. Have you upgraded that recently? Or are you now at like tens? We're at tens mostly. Yeah. And friendly games, you know, friendly games nickels. with, with presses. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I prefer to play automatic presses two right. down, two down automatic pressing. Uh, a lot of people around the games I play around here is like the two down is not automatic. It's it's tr- an option. Triggers the option for people to uh, triggers the option for people to be able to press or not press. Whereas right back east uh, we, we we played automatic pressing. You didn't have an option. Right. But which you know in some respects respects protects the integrity of the game by making sure your opponent plays every hole out to his best ability. Not sandbagging? Yeah, because let's say you, all right, I'm going to lose this match today. So I go in the tank to get an, you know, I don't try as hard. Right. But like a new bet starts with the press means I don't want to lose another 10 bucks. Right? Right. So you try harder. Do you do a press on a press? Anytime you're two down, a new bet starts. So every bet. So let's say we tee off on one, you lose one and two. The third hole now, there's two bets going. The original bet, which you're two down on, and now a new bet, which you're even. Right. But and then, then let's say you, you square lose, it up. Let's say you lose three and four. Or conversely, you can square it up. Or I win. Yeah, let's say I square it up, and now you're two down on the press. Now I'm two down, which is, this is what happened to me actually on Friday afternoon. I'm playing Jimmy Pliska. He strokes on the eighth hole. He gets one aside from me. I have him two down after seven. So naturally, as we walk to the eighth tee, he says he presses. 
and typically, you know, guys press on their stroke hole. Right. Now we play an optional press. If he was two down after six, I'm pretty sure he would have waited to eight to press versus starting a new one on seven. Which right. again, for me, is why I like the auto pressing. Right. Oh, that see that also makes sense too. You like the auto press because you don't want to give the option taker an advantage. Also, as <laughs> as a golfer, I always press when I'm two down. I mean, the only situation that I probably wouldn't press is let's say you get me two down after seven, and you know the eighth hole on at Waverly right. is the number one handicap. Maybe I'll be like, well, I'll wait till nine to press because right. I don't want to press you into the face of a. A stroke hole, right? But if it's if it's not optional, the the new bet starts. I feel the auto press makes it simpler. Honestly, it does make it. Simpler. It just makes it simpler. It's not really discussion. It's, it's. But like you said, you know, to finish that thought, a new press starts anytime you're two down on any bet. So nine holes, you can have four bets going, right? Right. One after two, one after four, one after six, one after eight. Right, right. And that gives plenty of actually pretty – I mean, so I've, I've played matches that where situation there's seven with Jim, bets going on. Jim makes five for four on the eighth hole, and I make I, – I had a makeable birdie putt that I did not make, like a 12-footer, disappointing, to tie him. And then he wins nine with a birdie, makes a nice shot on nine. So now I go from being two up on this – Eighth T to being even on the original bet and 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 down and, the bet and losing the press right. So not only did I not win the first bet, you're ten the, down. I'm ten down because ten down all square on all the square match on the, the match in the back. Yeah. Right. So we rolled it to the uh, you rolled the if you typically if you have the front nine we roll the front nine bet into the back nine bet so the. It's worth oh. thirty bucks. The back nine is worth thirty bucks. So it's the front nine, the back nine, and the overall. Right. It's overall square. The back nine's just starting. Right. And you roll that front nine, and so it's a serious nine. So. Did you buckle it. down? Did you I bear did. down? I got. I got two up on him after fourteen, and the number one handicap hole at Waverly on the back nine is the fifteenth hole. So he made a four for three there, and I made a four. He made a par on 16. I made a bogey, so we're all square through 16. 17, we both hit hit our drives out. I hit, it was par five. I hit a great drive. I have about 222 to the pin. I hit my three hybrid to about 12 feet. Those two holes are par five closers, right? Par five, par five. Finish. Yeah, I find the that actually finish at Waverly fairly challenging. I mean, I guess there's opportunity. Well, for me, par fives on the golf course are the easiest holes there are because you have more opportunity to recover to make par. Whereas a par three, conversely, I agree with you on right? that. It's hard to make. It's much harder to make par on a par three than a par five. Even in the USGA, I mean, betting is okay among amateurs, right? As long as it's for what is their what is their I, term I nominal amounts or like your self. Yeah, with, with like the prize money that people win in tournaments. Yeah, exactly. What you're not supposed to be doing is that's why Calcutta's are a little bit of like a dicey type of game because you're buying interest in other players, yeah. which is where you. I've never been a professional golfer. Let's put it that way. But the, I also like to gamble. Well, the rules are pretty clear that you can gamble on yourself for nominal amounts. How do you define that? I don't know how you define it, and I don't know how they determine it. But certainly, 
what Titanic Thompson was doing would not have been considered nominal. Nominal. You know, he was betting amounts of like ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars well, a I match liked, in nineteen. I like the the line that uh, you know Dan Patrick, the former ESPN sports yeah. guy, radio show. He played uh, Tiger Woods in a match once. And, you know, Dan being Dan. He got strokes? Yeah, he probably got like 20 strokes, right? Tiger was probably a plus six at the time. Who knows? I mean, at Tiger's best. How I, many strokes do you think you would need against Tiger uh, at Waverly? Just make it simple. He would eat that course up. It's just too short for him. It's just too short for any professional. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, that's the issue. It's like, it's like we don't, you don't play the courses they play. No, I mean, in the I, setups they play. I play so like the closest to a real golf court, like a real. Pe I played the Baltus Roll lower course from seventy four hundred yards. Like I said, I'm not a short hitter. Right. Place like Baltus is a big course. You see it on the first tee, and it's four seventy. It's par four. Too short, but tight. Three is four sixty par four with a dog leg. Like literally. You and I couldn't hit it to the corner where those guys would need to hit it, right? Yeah, that would be a challenge. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it's very difficult. I think I shot 75, 76. So what, and I felt like it was a great score. Yeah. What, with what, a birdie, birdie finish, by the way. Because that, that's a Baltus Roll lower par five, par five finish. Ah. So so what did Dan Patrick oh, do with the bet with so Tiger? Dan said, well, what do you want to play for? And Tiger looked at him and he said, well, how much makes you nervous? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like you say, a $5 bet to some people might be meaningful. There's and, a story about Arnold Palmer like right, that. Right. So a $5 bet could be meaningful for somebody, but somebody would be like, oh, that's a friendly game. We're not out here for your money. And if you want to play a real game, we can do 50s. That's, we can do 100s. I've heard a story about Arnold Palmer like that where he's in a restaurant, like, say, in New York. And some member of a club sees him there. And, you know, I'm one of the top amateurs in town. This was still in the era of amateurs and pros, maybe yeah, the gap rivals, not being, yeah. yeah, rivals. And sort of makes an offer, say, hey, why don't we go play 18, you know. Come to my five, club. Yeah, $500. And uh, no, I'll tell you what, I'll make it 5000 And the guy keeps on basically badgering Arnold Palmer. He tells him multiple times, look, I'm going to Europe or I'm going yeah. to wherever. You're my family. I, I, like, I don't have time to play golf with you. I really would, but we're going on a trip. He's being completely gracious. And then finally, after the guy keeps badgering him, turns to him and says, I called my agent and we were prepared to cancel the trip if you're willing to put down $50,000 and we'll go play 18 holes. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was to Make just, it worth his while. Yeah, make it worth my while. Let's go, you know, let's play. I mean, that's the concept of opportunity cost. Right I there. wish, that's what I wish a little bit with the, you know, when the, when, the, the pros play. I wish there was a bit more of the Well, they tried edge. to, they they tried tried to, to do, do that with Phil and Tiger, and it, it flopped a bit. I mean, the problem is, like, every match play match isn't always a great match. It could be lopsided like it was right. like it was in Las Vegas, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, the really good match play matches are really good, and they're memorable. Bring it back to gambling. You play another game. Yeah. Which, after I read Titanic Thompson, I kind of got roped into playing that with you. 
I didn't rope you in. You, you, you. Maybe I roped you I in was by giving you, pigeon. giving you the book to say, "Hey, read this book. It's really fun." <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, I can do that." Yeah, I got super into it, and so we played a game that you've played before. The Wolf Hammer. The Wolf Hammer. So talk about that, because that's that isn't match play exactly, but no, it is. It is, but it isn't. Um, you know, I don't particularly like playing the Wolf Hammer or Wolf in general. Uh, I like the idea of the hammer with it because you're going to play it. So some people, by the way, some listeners may know Wolf. Like I know the game Wolf, which is a good game where one person's a wolf. And every hole it rotates. Every hole it rotates. And you get to either pick a partner partner or 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 bet the field. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what you're talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Oh, it is. Yeah. But the. But But what's the hammer? Okay. So the hammer is... is when you initiate, you double the bet. So, so. So it is wolf, but then wolf hammer. Right. So you like takes it to another like level. Ever, so yes, the hammer takes it to another level in which you need to decide every time. Every time the hammer is thrown, you need to decide: Do I want to just pay up and move, move on, or do I take the hammer and try to win the bet? What? So let's say we're playing at two dollars a hole to start with. Right. It's small money. That it starts with. What you consider small money, right? right? And you're playing $2 a hole. And let's say you hit it you hit it down the fairway, I hit it in the woods. And you're like, I'm going to hammer the bet. So I hammer the bet because you're You in hammer the, woods. the bet. I'm in the woods. You're like, let's hammer the bet. Now, I have a choice to make. Do I just pay you the $2 and sort of concede the hole? Or do I take the hammer in my hand and say... I'll I got the it. hammer. I got the hammer. All right. So um, and and you can only throw the hammer if you have the hammer. Well, both people have the hammer on the. That's front. what's confusing. I think it would be better if the hammer was one hammer and you're literally well, throwing it. Well, it, it is. But having w- multiple hammers is where it gets no, no, crazy. No. Well, there's only one hammer after the initial. Like if I if you you threw the hammer at me right and right. I, and now I have it. Okay. You can't throw another hammer at me. You don't have it anymore. Okay. You can only throw a hammer if someone. So, for example, I'm in the woods. You say, press, you know, hammer. I say, accept. You Now chunk, it's a $4 bet? Now it's a $4 bet for the hole. You chunk it, and it comes up short in the pond. I hit it out onto the green, not particularly close, 30 feet away. Now I say, Billy, I hammer you back. Now you get to choose. And I, and I got it, yeah. Do I pay Vince four bucks? Or, Before I finish the hole, or do I make this bet now eight dollars? You have a you have a decision to make. Let's say I don't. Let's say I don't hit it on the green. Let's say I chip it out of the woods into the bu- green side bunker, and you're like, "Well, I can get up and down two in, three out, four on five. He he'll make five. I'll take the hammer. Now the hole's worth eight. Right. It's basically Texas Hold'em on the golf course. Well, it's. Every shot, you know, every, every shot is there's like a proposition a, for for a bet, you know, for the bet to be made. So you you accept it. Now the bet is eight. You hit it on my approach out of the bunker. Guess what? I hole it. Birdie three. Birdie's double the bet. So it's a sixteen dollar payoff on a two dollar hole. Sixteen dollars on two dollars. Yeah. And as because otherwise I could have just wedged it out and two putted you two putt, and no and no blood. 
And basically, you told me that this game, which is like a two dollar hammer so, game, was getting into the hundreds of dollars. Well, by when the you end. play, when you play with. Like you and I played heads up because we didn't have anyone else interested in playing with us. Yeah. But usually it's it's a pretty good game for foursomes and fivesomes to play. You know, it's it's better with a, a partner because then you know partners make the decision about the hammer jointly, jointly, yeah. or one partner just hammers and then they're like, "What'd you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> You're in the woods. <laughs> I was pissed, <laughs> right?" <laughs> I mean, how often is the hammer really just trying to get them to fold? Because you know, in poker, well, that's you're the, making so, the bet. So this is what I say. I play this game with a bunch of Texans. You know, te Texans are notorious gamblers. Wild, you know, wildcatters. Yeah. Drill, you know. They play a $5 hammer game, and they cap it at $300 a head. So if you're in for $300, you are done. Like, you, you could lose more. The points still accumulate, right? But, like, all you really, you get, you get let off the hook at $300. Because that's more of a friendly game, I would say, in Texas, too, to cap it. Like, you don't have to cap it. I mean, but a $5 game can get pricey. You just hit limit, yeah. But so what max. I don't really like about it is winning the money in that game has very little to do with who, which team plays the best golf. One, the teams rotate all the time. It's a matter of picking a good partner, getting lucky, picking a good it's a bit, partner. Yeah, there's a, there's a luck element right. to it. And then it, the other, other component is actually good gambling, knowing when to take the hammer, knowing, you know, knowing when to throw the hammer. You know, it's like it's much more to it than just golfing. Yeah. Whereas in a more pure sense of match play is I tell people this, oh, we'll just play one bet U.S. amateur style, right? So let's play for a hundred bucks. Whoever wins the match gets the hundred bucks. No pressing, nothing. And when the, and typically in that fashion, especially like when I played Suburban Club Championship, that was a, you know those eighteen hole matches. Let's say I close you out five and four, right? Yeah. We're on the fifth. You know, we, it was fourteenth hole. You have fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Time 18. for another bet. I go in. Oh, you walk it off. I go to the bar, have a drink. Yeah, you know, like it's over. Let's go in. I mean, that's 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 more, that's that's traditional golf. I mean, that was definitely how. Yeah, you, you go play. In. There was yeah, you're done when the match is done. You're, you go you're done. Oh, you want to just finish up now? I have a drink. I've only <laughs> done that once. Well, you know, with you know, public golf, mini golf. You paid for the eighteen holes. You kind of right. you kind of want to finish them. Right? Yeah, when when Blake and I played and uh you know the alternate shot and we won 10 and 8 in that downpour you packed it we in. walked yeah, yeah we walked walk. in Forget it, yeah we here. got out yeah we were Get done i mean I, I practically got our opponents i think almost just gave up they were like flopping fish. well that's match play i mean the, you took it to them and i mean that's the mental state of it too like there's there's a there's always a point in the match whether it's before the match even starts or at some pivotal point in the match where you know you can't win. I mean, you can't lose, rather. They can't, my opponent can't beat me. He is mentally shot. He is unraveling over there. Like, all I gotta do is just play some solid golf and I'm gonna win. Right. Man, because you can you can see it firsthand. Like, it's it's man versus man. Like, head to, it's head to head, you know, Head to head. Have you ever heard of uh, which you don't get in stroke play? Which you don't know no. what what the 
five foursomes ahead of you is doing. Did right? you ever hear about Phil Mickelson's first hole in the USAM that he won? Yeah, he gave the, he gave the guy like a 20-foot putt for par when he was six feet away because he knew he was going to make his I'm going to drain the birdie, yeah, because which is just, that's, that's, that's strong. Show. That's so strong. You know, you know Phil, Phil Clint, you know, talks a lot about his high IQ and his, you know, he's a notorious gambler. He's been involved in he's a lot of mm-hmm. dubious uh, activity on and off the golf course. Um, but he talks a lot about the game. I mean, there's probably no one better out there than Phil, you know, using words on the course to his advantage. Right. You know, things, you know, it's gamesmanship. There's a certain knack to it. It's a certain personality that probably is, is drawn to it. And there's other personalities that maybe have never encountered it in our I know we're getting close to the end here, so I want to bring up one point of it. We could do this again. I'm having a lot of fun. Oh, is it good? I'm, yeah, no, I'm I told just running you. running out of time. Yeah, no, I understand, and it is a lot of fun. But I'm actually going to read about the original golf match uh, that happened on the Leith uh, golf course. So this is where the uh, Edinburgh. I keep on saying Edinburgh. I'm very American. Edinburgh. 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 They, they uh, should have an O-U-G-H. I don't know how to say it like a Scotty either. It's not Berg, it's Burrow. All right, so Edinburgh on the Leith Links. I bring this up only because I think, you know, I think of you as a true uh, match play guy. So the first recorded solemn match at golf was 1724, as reported in the newspaper. It took place on the Leith Links between the Honorable Alexander... Elphinstone and Captain John Porteous for a stake of twenty guinea, twenty two pounds, which I think at the time probably sizable sum. Yeah, I think we're talking like thousands. Okay, relatively. Yeah, uh, you know, both men, by the way, were famous for other reasons. Not only four years later, Alexander Elphinstone fought a duel on the Leith Links. <laughs> Competitive people. <laughs> in 729. And in 736, Captain Porteous, who was involved in the Porteous riot when Edinburgh citizens were accidentally shot by his troops, was lynched by a mob. <laughs> quite quite the cast of characters in that match, huh? Yeah. I found a lot of the original old-time reporting around golf matches tended to be these somewhat friendly affairs, but friendly affairs where they also turn... Um, heated, heated, yeah. Because you want to win. I mean, any you know, red-blooded American or man w- wants to go out there and compete, right? And win. Well, do you remember the pep talk you gave me at Bandon when we were there in December this year? No, it was like three years ago. Hmm. Not really. You showed up. I was down there golf. I got brought into another trip, and so I was there, and the weather was good, and you just drove down, and we played. Oh yeah, I remember doing that, but that wasn't for. Uh, our Oregon Coast Cup. It was just you and I playing down there, right? Yeah, but it was about well, no, thirty it, days before the event. It was in December. It was in right. December. Yeah. I remember that because I almost aced that tenth uh, hole at Pacific Dunes. I still have. Is that the one that goes out to the sea? Yeah, you took. You remember you recorded the video of it? Oh, geez, I don't remember. Oh. It's funny. I remember my shots, not yours. Well, I must have. <laughs> That'll be perfect. We'll post it for the listeners so they can get a view of it. Short sleeves. It was like 60 degrees there. Yeah, it was gorgeous. You know, you were giving me a pep talk. It, in fact, inspired a lot of 18 Opportunities is a little bit based on 
comparing golf to a target game and archery and warfare practice. And that was the essence of your pep talk about match play. Yeah. Like you're going out there to do battle. That we're going out there to do battle. We are. I mean, that's, that's the essence of it. I mean, you're, yeah. you, it's, you, we're partners or we're opponents, you know, whether it's two on two or one on one, but like, but I remember I was just like, well, I'm having fun. And you were like, this isn't about fun. This is about winning, winning the match. <laughs> but like, I, I seldom have fun in losing. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's something to be learned about losing and how it makes you feel and how, you know, it makes the other person feel right. But winning feels good. Winning does feel good. And, and, it, and especially when you put a lot of effort into it, it feels even that much better. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel that we should wrap this up and I want to add in, uh, cause the other favorite moment you know in the match play. What feels good too is, is getting the money out, out of the wallet too. Cause right. that you can actually, that's a you know good feeling you can actually spend, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's a, a tangible feeling, tangible, but a gen, you know, just a gentlemanly thing to do with your winnings is always to buy a, conciliatory drink to your opponent that's right i mean i've had instances in which i've won a few dollars and bought around the drinks because we won and then you wind up coming out behind right well in the traditional wager would have been a drink whiskey or a ale. dinner yeah that still is the exactly it was you know. it's sort of like you mentioned it's fun after the round all of the traditional golf clubs in scotland were really based around getting a tea time, making a match, having the match. Yeah. And then you would have well, I've, I've set like up, a sort of a potluck of alcohol and booze and food. Yeah. I've set up and matches. And then set the next match. Hey, we're going to play Saturday. Billy, what do you say you and I take on Blake and Justin Saturday? Right. Yeah. Like, no, we that, do something like that on a Tuesday. We set it up. We get the tea time. Right. You know what I'm thinking about all week? Going out there winning that match. I might go to the range to work on some shots, Bring my putt, sleep with my putter the night before. But like, I know we're going out, you and I are going to go out there and do battle right. on Saturday. And I want to come out ahead. And I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, you know, that challenge. Right. And I think 18 about, hole opportunity to come you know, out on top. I want, you know, like in, you get emotionally invested, you know, you think about, I mean, that's part of the excitement of it. I mean, especially with modern day text messaging, the trash talking that could happen throughout the week on about the match or in anticipation of the match, things like that. There can be a lot. Exactly. There can be. You can be out with the guy the night before and you start buying him extra whiskey so that he wakes up maybe not feeling so good. <laughs> I mean, that happens at the end in our group, don't you think? The it's happened North. to me. I've been on the losing end of that where I get over I would my say the North is is a stacked team, especially even now related to uh, talent and ability, although we have lost some of the good players too. Yeah, our handicaps still are much, are generally lower than... The North had bigger issues with debauchery, alcoholism, and gambling poker games, fighting amongst yeah. ourselves. Yeah, contraband. And speaking of that, that's actually where I would like to pick that up is my the the one of the funner match plays is when we played pronghorn. Oh my goodness. Which, my, my career low round. Your career low round and but 
of course, Justin Ball would probably need to be on the on the call to kind of review that together yeah. because because that was a very awesome match play event. So we're going to wrap it up. Okay, great. This was a lot of fun, Billy. Thanks for inviting me down to the studio. It's a great place. Thank you. All right, wrapping it up with 18 opportunities. Golf is a game of competition. Uh, look for more episodes coming your way in the future. Today's episode is brought to you by the Oregon Coast Cup. Follow the action as the North and the South battle it out on the links abandoned dunes at OregonCoastCup.com every February. Winter is coming. We love golf stories. So if you have a cool story to share, please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at 18 Opportunities Podcast.